a hiring slowing a pace. And it's consistent with what's coming out of NFIB as well, according to uh, their chief economist, National Federation of Independent Businesses. So we're talking about the small businesses that represent most of the hiring. Uh, their chief economist, William Dunkelberg, 43% of owners reported job openings they could not fill. That's down four points from February. So there's still a lot of businesses looking for employees. It's still a robust job market, but it's down a bit from where it was. Uh, optimism about uh, what the rest of the year may bring in terms of economic growth or the lack thereof is more on the side of the lack thereof. That's part of it. So does that mean one more rate hike in May and then the Fed starts to loosen the vice? Well, you know, I, I to me, I go the grocery store says it all to me. Mm-hmm. And you go to the grocery store and man, where you used to spend, you know, 50 bucks, now you're spending, you know, 100 I mean, and I and I think you know what I'm saying will echo everywhere, and you know the president will come out and he will tout these numbers as being a sign that my economic plan is working. What? I mean, you you can't you you a lot of people can't afford to eat. It is it is incredible. In fact, I went to my grocery store, my jewel store. At uh, on Displains, just north of uh, Fulton, and I and I had to go at night, and I went up there, and a guy pops out of the darkness, and I oh here we go I'm gonna get robbed, and he asked if I had any change, and I said well no I, I don't, and uh, I, and we started we had a conversation, turned out to be a nice guy 53 years old had had been bitten by a dog and his company had not would not cover would not he couldn't go to work you know this is a story he told me hmm. and i said well what are you doing here he, he told me he lived under the bridge on wacker drive i said well you're kind of far away from there what are you doing here he says well i come here and he looked over there and he says look over there and there were other people homeless people i said well why are you here he says well they're one of the only places that's open at 9:30 at night and this is where the food is yeah, well, I mean, um, the the below the fold uh, in terms of where things stand economically is um, uh, some concessions by the Fed that inflation is going to be sticky. It's going to be with us for a while. And they're also projecting a recession before a year's end. So you're going to be in a, it seems to be, a lot of economists predicting, a stagflationary environment. And, um, well, that's not good for anybody. Well, during uh, the campaign those that are that are, you know, in, in the most uh, tenuous of situations. You know, I, I listened to uh, the earlier guest, Richard Epstein, Epstein. Mm-hmm. And man, I thought he, he he gave one of the best explanations I've heard of this Trump indictment. And he talked about how the, the that Donald Trump is being positioned to win, to be a lock for the Republican nomination. And Biden believes he can beat Trump. And I don't think he could beat DeSantis uh, or any other Republican because, but he wants Trump in the worst way because they can, again, uh, 
appeal to that Trump derangement syndrome and, and motivate their the, the base and people who are afflicted with that. Well, and, and as, you, as you sort of indicate, put the focus on Trump and get people's focus away yeah. from what may be a pretty yeah. dismal uh, economic climate. For more on this, we're pleased to be joined by James Perry, the founder, CIO of Perry International Capital Partners, LLC. Jim, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Good morning, Dan. Thank you very much for having me. So, uh, you know, give us your read on the jobs numbers and what they imply for coming Fed action. Right. Sure. Uh, well, you know, first things first, this jobs number um, is the lowest in 27 months, which gets you back to pandemic. Um, and it is in line with what the Fed has in mind for the economy. They want to slow it down because they are worried about rising prices to the point that uh, Charles just made a few minutes ago, you know, food prices aren't about farmers making more on eggs. It's about the sort of nine levels of people that have to handle those eggs between the farm and your refrigerator to get them there. And every single one of them is getting more money to do that job than they were a year ago. So wages are sticky and it's pushing up service inflation and, the risk is, and I think it's real, is that to combat that, I think not only will the Fed hike rates by 25 basis points in May, but depending on how markets hold up and the banking system holds up, they probably need to go higher than that. And um, that's a problem. Well, continue. Why That's a problem because? Well... <laughs> As interest rates rise, every time we've had a crisis, the weakest links in the chain break first, right? So we've seen these regional banks that have had horrendously weak balance sheets, and their capital base is, is actually lower than the amount of money that they have uh, to handle bad loans. Bad loans are actually falling to such a degree that it's wiping out their balance sheets. So. That's an interest rate function, right? And when you have rates that go up, you've got companies that have been getting away with weak management, weak oversight, poor regulated uh, standards to be doing business. And, you know, the regulators are always behind Wall Street on this stuff. They don't even see it coming, including, you know, the guys at the Fed that were supposed to be in charge of regulation and oversight. They don't see it. So they're looking at the wrong things. And the fact is that when, when the cost of money rises, the risks of weak balance sheets and weak free cash flows become pretty apparent. So you've got a situation now where, you know, the value of the bond market, 10-year yields are at 335 now. You know, six weeks ago, they were at 410. This is a big rally in the Treasury bond market. Treasury bond market yields have tumbled because they see a recession. And um, the stock market doesn't seem to really care right now because there's some big, big companies with some big moats around them that have the ability to continue to raise prices. Well, yeah, that's, that, that, yeah, that's the thing. Explain uh, this sort of the, the irrepressibility of the equity markets. Is that, I mean, is, is that uh, where you think, where you would put your money, uh, uh, where you are putting your money? Are you, are you long equities? No, I'm not. Um, I've been short for, 18 months, um, 
and I, I, you know, I have a balanced portfolio for clients and, you know, most of these portfolios out there that you hear from sort of these average money market or money manager types are kind of the 60, 40 bond portfolio stock portfolio, right? So 60% equities, 40% bonds. Um, I've got a 10% position in the S and P 500, which I've had since 2021. Um, and I am in no hurry to add to that position. Uh, the S and P is still selling at 18 times forward earnings. That's actually above average of the last sort of 20 years. And if you look at recessions, you know, those forward price earnings multiples go down to you know, 12 and 10 and eight. So if, if that's the case, you know, you're, you're looking at an S and P 500 that's probably closer to 3000 rather than 4,100, you know? So you could, you, you think, I mean, if, if we do go into recession, um, that you could still see, uh, uh, Dow, NASDAQ, S&P, you could still see uh, all of those uh, indexes take a, a double-digit hit before the year's out. Well, you never can tell when the stock market's going to do what it's doing, but, you know, I'm a, I'm a probability player. I'm a, I'm a portfolio manager, and I, I look at the odds of things happening. And, you know, if you look at the earnings reports, which are going to start coming out, you know, next week, um, they're expected to be down 7.7%, right? And they were down about 4% in Q1, and they were about 3% in Q4. Uh, so they've been falling for a year. So you've got a profits recession already, and it's very rare to see the stock market go up when earnings are going down. And I think the reason that the stock market hasn't really accepted that reality is you know, like everything, it goes back to the Fed, right? We've been bailed out. The Fed has printed money really since Alan Greenspan in 1987, and it accelerated in 2000, 2008, and 2020. So the equity market crowd, they are storytellers. They're narrative people. And when clients get worried and call them, they say, well, you know, if the stock market gets a little weak again, the Fed's going to come to our rescue. So there's this sort of moral hazard of exposure that sits out there that um, is, is disconcerting. But the fact is it's been with us for 20 years, you know, even more. So I, I think the Fed understands that, and I think that they realize that if they don't get on top of this stuff, the inflationary pressures in the market will continue to rise um, so they, they want to see a slowdown in the economy and they want to see equity values lower. And that's the danger for investors. Dan, I got a question. Are, are there any international factors that we have to consider in terms of the prognosis for the U.S. economy? Uh, yes, we do, Charles. I mean, you know, the real issue here when you think about, I mean, Perry Capital is a global macro firm, and we look at interest rates first and what are the inputs to those interest rates. And the biggest one, the biggest fear, you hear about it every day, is the dollar. And uh, the U.S. dollar, and it's, well, here's the story on the dollar. I think it's always got a, a, a sort of a dual sort of threat to it. There's an external threat and there's an internal threat. And the external threat is that you know, the Russians don't want to be beholden to use dollars to trade oil with India. And the Chinese don't want to be beholden to the dollar to import technology from Singapore. 
And they're forced to because 90% of this stuff goes on in dollars, right? All the commodity markets, all the technology markets. So when you hear these stories about, you know, the Russians are going to get this currency going and the Chinese are going to get that currency going, I think that those are real threats. And I think they are desires by countries who want to see the end of the dollar reserve currency, you know, period, which has been really since 1945. But, you know, saying it and doing it are two completely different things. And the currency markets, like anything in investing, is based on trust and confidence. And I don't know if you saw this story yesterday, but the Russian ruble is now at the worst level, the lowest level, in over a year, right? And it actually went up when they invaded, mainly because they raised interest rates. But the, the, the ruble, the reason the ruble is down, the Russian currency, is because they essentially nationalized uh, a liquefied natural gas facility that was owned by Shell Oil Company out in their Far East. And when a government starts nationalizing companies, that means that money leaves the country, right? So the, the outflow of capital from Russia is uh, extraordinary. Anybody that's got any money in Russia is getting it out right now. Mm. Um, and the same thing is true in China, you know? I mean, anybody that's made any money there, they don't have the the confidence, they don't have the trust in the government, a totalitarian regime, an authoritarian regime, to protect the value of their wealth under the rule of law. So I think the idea that the external threats on the dollar in the next, you know, short period of time, intermediate period of time, even longer term, is fairly remote. The biggest problem with the dollar is the internal threat. And the internal threat really comes down to the fact that you've got a government now that is spending money like a drunken sailor. And they don't seem to think that there is any repercussions to that. I mean, I was just looking at some data last night just to give you an idea. Now that we have a jobs number, the population growth in the States is 334 million, but the labor force is only 161, right? And there's a hundred million people that are eligible to be working that are not doing it. And that's why the labor market is so imbalanced. But the bigger picture is that if you look at the liabilities of this country, and we have a lot of wealth here, right? You know, household assets are $142 trillion. U.S. total national assets are $180 trillion. That's $540,000 of assets per citizen, including children. But then if you look at the liability side, We've got $182 trillion worth of unfunded liabilities. That's Social Security and Medicaid and things like that. And that is a liability per citizen of $540,000 per person. That's higher <laughs> averages, right? And it's going up. It's we're dead even. Hey, we're even. We're, it's perfect. We're going we're to all end up with no money. Uh, it's, it's just exactly what Klaus Schwab wants. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, globalists really want to see the average income and average wealth in this country be equal to the smallest or most populated emerging market in the world. And the agenda is to reduce the assets of wealthy people by inflating them away. That's the idea. So the Fed is trying to raise interest rates so the government-induced inflation will be able to be thwarted a little bit. And so uh, if there are choppy waters ahead... Um, how should people uh, prepare the boats that they're in? In other words, you know, what, what, how should they protect for the downside? 
Right. Well, you know, Dan, we've known each other for a couple of years here, and we've talked on air for a couple of years. And um, I, I keep things really, really simple. I don't know what the economy is going to do in three months any more than the Fed does. You know, I, I mean, mm -hmm. I think that rates are going to go up and they're going to try to beat inflation, but I'm not sure it's going to come down. So I don't know what the value of the equity market is. And as far as the employment con is concerned, employment position is concerned, I, I really think that, you know, there is a significant imbalance in the labor market and that hurts everybody. So just a quick tangent, you know, there's kind of, we talk about employment, but there's really four kind of groups of people that actually exist in this country, macroeconomically speaking. There's a black economy, which mostly criminals, but that's, you know, 20% of GDP now with no taxes. And then you've got the no taxpayers, which is 50% of households in the country. And then you've got the the, the average working guy whose average salary, the median salary in this country, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, is 35 grand a year, right? Average median salary. So the guy from that makes 30 grand a year to 100 grand a year, he's getting taxed at, you know, 30% now. He can't live on that. Going back to the grocery store thing, you cannot, you cannot get away from the grocery store for really anything less than twice as much as you did a year ago. So these people are getting killed. The government knows that. That's their tax base. And then you got the rich, the top, you know, 1% or 2% or 5%. They're making over 250 grand a year up to whatever, a million. These people don't care if their restaurant bill is 25% higher than it was last year. They're still going to go out because they want entertainment. So that's why the services and leisure sector of the economy is still really, really strong. And anybody that works in it, is paying up for the people that work there. So wages are booming because 100 million people in this country continue to choose not to work. That's the biggest problem for the Fed right now. And, you know, the only way, the only way to stop that is to raise prices enough so that demand from the sort of 30% of people in this country that are responsible for 70% of discretionary income slow their spending down. And that has not happened yet. And the reason it hasn't happened in large part is because the stock market's still sitting up here. They've all got pensions and IRAs and savings. They don't mind going into them. There's still $1.5 trillion worth of excess savings in banking accounts from the COVID stimulus. That's expected to run down and be zero by Q3. So let's just see what happens here toward the end of the year with all this spending. I suspect the Fed's going to be successful in slowing the economy down. Uh, it's a bigger question whether or not the, the Fed will be successful in bringing inflation down, and that is the risk. He is James Perry, founder, CIO of Perry International Capital Partners. Jim, thanks as always. Appreciate it. That Dan. Thanks a lot. Have a good Andy, weekend. Easter. You too. Happy Easter. And he joined us on the Turnkey.pro Answer Line. Before you see it on TV, share it on Facebook or read about it in the paper. Hear it here first. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer.